Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We serve an awesome God to bless us one more day in this day on this on the second Sunday, September 11th of uh, the year of our Lord of 2022. We welcome you to join us in worship and celebrate to coming together a little something like this.
from our Lord, we turn to our word, and our morning scripture is going to come from Hebrews, the 10th chapter, looking at verses 19 to 25. Let us turn to our God in prayer for encouragement and understanding of God's word. Lord, we ask you to give us enlightenment and to you the power and the purpose of your word. Lord, softening our hearts that we might receive your truth. 
that it may take root, that we may see fruit growing in, in the transformation of our lives. Now bless uh, the hearers, Lord, of your word, that we be obedient to all that is said, that is done, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 We have the reading of scripture done by Pastor Price to come forward at this time. Amen, church. Amen. The scripture I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Just to repeat the scripture again, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And it reads, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, who rules over God's house. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen. Amen. We believe, 
your mercy is everlasting. And Father, we pray as we are preparing to hear a word from you, God, let it be all of you, Lord, and none of me, Lord, your servant. May we preach the word be preached with power and purpose. Uh, may our hearts be open and receptive, that while your word be hidden in our heart, that we might not sin against you, and that, Lord, that we might see Jesus walk in obedience and submission according to his will. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. As we continue on this study in this month, as we're going to t- continue talking about the power in the church, uh, as, and so what is missing from C-H, blank, blank, C-H-U-R. The church is needed to come together, that you are a part of the church. Uh, the church is not brick and mortar or a building or an a, a address or a place, but the church 
is the called out body of believers of Christ that believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, that we've been baptized, we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, and we eat and commune together and fellowship and unity because of our faith and hallelujah in the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's power of coming together. When we think about gatherings, and definitely now as college season has begun and people are gathering in large numbers to watch a team play, and the excitement that comes, right, when your, your team wins, your team scores, and makes a spectacular play, and the roar of the crowd, and the cheerleaders, the mascots, everybody, cannons going off, fireworks going off, the band triumphant making sounds. We see the joy that coming people come together, but then they leave. And when they leave, they all have different perspectives. Some leave happy because their team won. Some leave disappointed because their team lost. But they're leaving. And here's the thing that it's not going to be the same people that come together next time. It might be the home team to come back, but it's going to be another visitor team coming by there. And notice how they're coming together. They're coming not to be one, but to compete against one another. But the body of Christ, we should not be a place of competition. We should not be a place where someone comes and they feel lead and they leave feeling defeated, feeling neglected, feeling abandoned because it didn't go their way. But instead, we should come together to say, I come to lift up the name of Jesus. I come to encourage my brother and sister. And I came to pray with you and for you to pray with me. There's a special unit of a special joy and enjoyment that comes of us gathering together. In our, in our Bible, we find oftentimes when Jesus went to the different cities, he knew where the people were gathered. There's something to know that you know where the people of like mind are. They said, as his tradition, he would go into the synagogue. Uh, Paul, in his mission trips, he would go where the people are. Now, oftentimes, since it was not a Jewish place, so he did not go to the synagogue, but he went to the market. He went to the gathering of the people. When you are in college, you go to where the people are. You go to the union. You go to the quads. You go to the plaza. You go to the yard. We all got different things about how we go in schools. It's the terrazzo or the play or the cafeteria, right? The gathering of people. But oftentimes, these gatherings are coming together that they're not always unified for purpose. Because if you go definitely to a football game, whether it be a homecoming game, there may be a bazaar. There may be a band playing. There may be some dancing. There may be some shopping. There may be some all kinds of different things going on in the place. But yet the one thing that's in common is that there's people there, but they're all there for different purposes. But when we come as the body of Christ, tell you that we come to see Jesus. The gathering of people, though we are diverse, though we are many, though we are different, but we come with one moment to see Jesus. And now in our text today, uh, the Hebrews, the 10th chapter, uh, we're picking up after they have made a strong declaration of who Christ is, uh, as Christ being the great high priest uh, in the order of Melchizedek. And so this is significant because there's been no priest like Melchizedek in the Jewish order. But matter of fact, there's no one like Jesus anyway. <laughs> and so Jesus being the high priest, being king himself and being a prophet, Showing how unique and special he is. 
but more specifically as this Bible being the Hebrew, so definitely to Jewish audience, they understand the significance of a high priest. A high priest is the only one that could go before the holies of holies and stand before God. The high priest is the one held accountable that if things don't get right, they're the ones that will fall down in front of the presence of God. History tells us that they would tie a rope around the ankle of the high priest because nobody else answered where he was going. So they don't know if he's okay. (laughs) So if he don't come out, they got to drag him out. (laughs) <laughs> so I can imagine how they can be jerking the, the stream. Are you still alive? You can kick back. Yeah, we good. We good. <laughs> it's all good here. Because the Bible makes it clear that when people messed up in front of God, they fell down. Dead. Matter of fact, Aaron's sons decided to play with the fires in front of God, and they fell dead. And it was so significant to Aaron that Moses asked Aaron, how come he didn't go in? Aaron says, like, I didn't want to make the same mistake. Now, my son, and Moses looked at him and says, I feel you, brother. <laughs> but he was encouraged him, saying, God will be pleased to do it right. But yet Aaron understood he was so in reverence, so in fear, that he says, I'm going to do it as best I can, but I'm not going to go that far. But Aaron was a recognized high priest that he could go in into the holies of holies. See, God's grace only allows certain people to get in, but now, because of what Jesus has done, how he tore the veil, that now we can boldly come before God. Tell your neighbor, boldly come. Boldly. Don't have to be timid. Don't have to be scared. But we can boldly come with our problems, with our issues, and understand that our God is willing to receive us. So this text tells us of this high priest who has provided a way for us to enjoy the presence of the Lord through the forgiveness of sin by Jesus being our perfect sacrifice. Join in with me in verse 19. I read from the New Living Translation of Brooklyn at verses 19 and 20. Are you with me there? And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life, giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house. Y'all see that there, right? We have a great high priest who rules over God's house. And since we have been blessed, Jesus has invited us to come into his presence. We are able to see the Lord because of his grace expressed to us through God the Son. Paul and Peter and James and John writing of this New Testament gospel, they beheld him, they touched him, they seen him. And one day we too will behold him face to face. All because what God has done. We understand that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But yet God has promised us that he will receive us back to himself. And we are grateful for God that he has deposited in us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Hebrew writer is expressing to us that because of what God has done for us, we can look towards to what we will enjoy in his presence. But yet, though we may not physically see him, we can see him physically all around. The earth declares the glory of the Lord. 
When you read in the Psalms, it says the trees worship him. And think about how the branches are going towards the heaven and they worship him. Let the wind move and they move into the movement of God and they move. But yet when we worship God, we want to be still. The birds, every morning they get excited when they get a brand new day. If you don't have no birds by your house, then you go, you go somewhere to buy your house, they'll let you know that we happy to see another day. But what did you do when you got up in the morning? See, we serve a God that loves us even when we're not loving towards him. Thank you, Jesus. And so that's why it's something specific, how we can boldly stand in his presence. Why can I, why does it matter that I can boldly uh, stand? Well, because I know I'm a sinner in need of grace. It's, it's hard for me to show my face when I have shame all over. It's hard for me to show my face when I know I have disappointed those whom I'm about to see. Think about what a lot of people don't go to school, don't go to work because they don't want to face, y'all don't hear me, what they don't have done. I'm sick. The report's not done. I can't go in. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a little bit of time while I stay home sick to work on it so when I show up, it's done. We, we, we think of all kinds of excuses. Matter of fact, it's so old now, right? How many times do you tell me the dog ain't my work, right? I had it done. <laughs> but see, what happened was, don't have a dog, but the dog ain't <laughs> my homework. We, we, we make up things because when we are ashamed, when we left things undone. But here's the beautiful thing that we all know that came to Christ, that all have seen. And fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. So don't, don't look around as if somebody's perfect around you because there's no one perfect in this place. We all are in need of God's grace. So that's why we can boldly come. Understand, I can boldly come knowing I'm messed up. <laughs> I can boldly come knowing I'm in need of grace. But yeah, I can boldly come because I know I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. So I experience his mercy. I experience his grace. I experience the unconditional love of God. Jesus being the great high priest to the Hebrews means that he's the one that presents the great sacrifice before. And here it is that Jesus is the great sacrifice. He presents himself (laughs) so that we can stand in the presence of God. Jesus The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world has called us together. Let me read verses 19 to 21 again as we could continue on read. I want you to grab what the Hebrew writer is telling us about the, the call of the church coming together. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death. Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with what? Sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. I'm going to unpack this a little bit more here before we get uh, to verse 22. When we look here, uh, we can boldly come 
because we have been prepared to enter. The parable of the wedding feast, one of the parables of the wedding feast is he passed out clothes. He passed out garments for them to put on. That means that you can't come in how you were dressed. But you can come in and how I have provided you with new dress. I want to highlight here that God gives us what we need to come into his presence. He already knows we don't have what we need. So he's provided so that you can come in. That's the beautiful thing about when God gives us an invitation, it's already been satisfied. When people give you an invitation, they tell you that RSVP. They tell you how you ought to dress. They tell you what time to show up. But Jesus done paid it off. <laughs> He's already, he said, I have gone to prepare a place for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish I had a few more minutes here. He didn't say you got to make a reservation. I already made it for you. I, I died so that you can be where I am. So come on over to me, <laughs> to my father's house. We have already been blessed to go into this place, into his presence. And since we can't get there on our own, he's provided a way. The same way how a mother or father provides for their children. They don't know what to put on, so they lay the clothes out for them. I got you provided. They don't know what to eat to stay healthy, so they got to provide. Right? Us, God does the same thing for us. I have your provisions here. That you can come. And here's the beautiful thing, that coming into the holies of holies in the tabernacle or in the temple, uh, that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that's where God's presence would come and to ascend. And so that means that they were able basically, in essence, to see God face to face. And now we have access to God. In the, in the old times, the Holy Spirit only came on one person. God only showed it to one person. But now, from Acts 1 and 8, when he says, go and be my witnesses and, dis- and disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the outer parts of the world, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes to so all who call on the name of the Lord will receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say that the Holy Spirit is sealed upon us until the day of redemption. Basically, God has put a sign on us that you are mine by gifting us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we should not quench the Holy Spirit, but we should feed the Spirit. We should feed it and nourish it and grow it. That's why we ought to come together and encourage one another. But that's why we can't allow shame. We can't allow guilt. We can't allow all those things to get us down. But yet we need to boldly come. Why can I boldly come? Because I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Let the redeem of the Lord say so. If you know you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, you don't have to worry about what other people call you as you know that God knows your name. Well, you know that your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. You can understand people can call you all kind of thing, but you already know I'm called a child of God. And that should encourage us to realize that I'm not living to satisfy this world because this world has nothing to offer us. We, we fight over money. We fight over property. We fight all over all these things. But yet soon, soon and very soon, all this will be gone because Christ is coming back. And when he comes back, it's not going to matter how big your house is because that's going to be gone. It's not going to matter how big your office was in the corner room of that building because all that's going to be gone. It's not going to matter how much money you have in your bank account. Well, you can't spend it, nor can you use it, because all that will be gone. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And so seek ye first the kingdom of God and his rights and all these other things will be added unto you. Do you have anything stored for you? 
in heaven. If you don't know what you got over on the next, I want to encourage you right now. You ought to be start working for the kingdom now. You working for the man. <laughs> you work, you work for that paycheck. Are you working for Jesus? We don't work to be saved. We work now because we are saved. Our attitudes change. Our lifestyles change. Our mind has changed. So no longer am I living in sin, but now I'm coming because Lord has washed me so that I can be a servant and a vessel for His glory. We can be better. Husbands, better wives, better brothers, better sisters, better employees, better people when we are allowing our God to be the center of our life. But here's what happens. When we don't come together, it's easy for us to get lost. It's easy for us to get discouraged. It's easy for us to get depressed. It's easy for us to lose focus on what matters. That's why we see the Hebrews writer says that uh, we can boldly come because we've been washed by the blood. We've been Washed and renewed in verse 22, uh, verse 22 and verse 23 and verse 24 gives three commands that we as a church ought to do. And so we when we come and enter this fellowship together boldly in response to God's amazing grace, in response to God, the Father, God, the Son and God, the Holy Spirit, guiding us, directing us and unifying us. We must obey these three commands to draw near to God. With sincere hearts, hold fast the confession of our hope. And thirdly, consider how to encourage each other. First, when I talk about draw near, verse 22 of Hebrews 10 chapter says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with blood's with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. There's power in being connected amongst the body of Christ. When we are drawing near with sincere hearts, you notice he did not say, may you log on. May you get the right link. May you have the virtual phone call ready. But yet it says, may you come in with sincere hearts. It's kind of hard to lay hands and anoint with oil and touch and agree when you're doing it virtually. Y'all don't hear me? When we draw near to God, there's something to be intangible communal relationship. Think about how we are social people, but we are antisocial in our behavior. I love talking to you, but let it be through text. How can I invite you over to my house? You sit next to me, but we will be on our devices the whole time. <laughs> See it all the time. How is it that we are social people, but we've learned, we've been trained to not socially communicate to people, and then we wonder why things get lost in communication. Because we're out of practice. The woman with the issue of blood she did not set up a virtual conference with God. She said, I'm going to schedule this appointment that I can virtually see you, that I can be here. But she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. She understood that she wanted to draw near with a sincere heart, fully trusting in God. That she understood there was something special that if I can just move in my pain with my issue and boldly come, hallelujah. Now, now she, she shouldn't be not in the condition that she was in, but she understood that there's only one way that I can be here. That I must be amongst the brothers and sisters and be where they are. They're gathering around Jesus. If I can just touch 
the hem of his garment. There's something special when we come and we gather together. Think about God gave us five senses for us to be able to smell, to see, to touch, to hear, to, to speak and encourage one another and to taste and fellowship with one another through eating and the breaking of bread. So let us come confessing with sincere hearts. We come to the church that we can confess one to another, to tell one another, encourage one another. Jesus speaking to the woman on the issue, uh, I'm sorry, the woman, the Samaritan woman in the well. He told her that the God is looking for sincere worshipers. John 4, 23 says, but the time is coming. Indeed, is here right now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. The father is looking for those who will worship him that way. That word sincere is also the same word that can be translated as what is true. God wants what is authentic and true. We cannot put on a facade. We dress up very well. We can put on our best suit. But yet our heart can be far from him. He makes it clear that you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. May we honor God. May we serve him. May we show him that we love him because how we humbly serve one another. People are watching us. And Psalms 24, 4 and 5 says, only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols, never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing. And have a right relation with a God that say, Lord, give us clean hands and pure hearts. So let us surrender to our God. And this is the time that we got to take some time of reflection when we come before him in his presence with sincere hearts. That, Lord, forgive us for the lust of our flesh, for the pride of our ego, for trying to be right instead of humbling ourselves even when we were wrong. Lord, clean us from the inside out. Wash us and make us clean that our, our words are encouraging, our our actions are encouraging. Everything we do is for the building and the edification of one another. As we embrace the Lord's mercy, we embrace one another with that same grace and mercy, forgiving one another and caring one another. Verse 23 tells us to hold fast. So not only are we going to draw near with sincere heart, but we're going to hold fast, hold fast, well, hold fast to this hope that we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Tell your neighbor, God's a promise keeper. So every day we make up our mind to serve him, knowing that he's going to keep his promise. You cannot serve two masters for you to love one or you hate the other. God is letting us know that you can be a slave to money, but you cannot be his slave. There's something special about when we can be a slave or a servant to God. That when we understand, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. When we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we are placing our hope in him. That's why we sing that that the hymn, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and his righteousness. This hope that we have is faithful and true. This hope is built upon what Hebrews is going to later on say, for faith is the substance of things hopeful, evidence of things not seen. Sometimes in the world, they use the word hope as a wish, as something that's not tangible, that's not factual, that is not real. But in the Bible, hope is what is proven. My hope is in God because he can make a way out of nowhere. My hope is in God because he can make a fire furnace of a walk in the park. My hope is in God that he can take a Red Sea and calm it and make it dry land for a million people to walk through. My hope is that God is based on what he has done. I believe what he's done for them, he can do for me. 
See, our hope has evidence that God is good. Can you tell your neighbor God is good? Can you tell him before you say, I know it for myself? Some of y'all need to testify. Tell what God's been doing in your life. That he's better to us than we deserve. And so when we place our hope in him, we know that it does not have to waver. It does not have to doubt. We don't have to vacillate. We don't have to have any hesitation, but say, I trust him. Think about the things you trust. You trust your stairs in your house. Every time you get on, you trust they're going to hold you up. You trust every time you sit down in that chair at your desk, it's going to hold you up. But I found out that I, that chairs are not as sturdy as they look to be. Y'all can look at me. I'm not that big, but I've broken some chairs. I sat down in the school desk that it broke and it bent in half and had me sandwiched in between. Guaranteed, everybody in that classroom was laughing as hard as they could. Laughing, how could that little boy break that chair? But that reason why I, I broke that chair is that that chair was not as strong as I believed it to be. It had some deficiencies in there that it was not bounded somewhere that and over time it deteriorated and it was not as good as it was. See, I want to encourage you that our God never deteriorates. He never rots, nor does he rust. But our God stays, hallelujah, 100 percent guaranteed faithful every time. And so when we place our hope in him, we don't have to waver. We don't have to doubt because we know that God's going to work it out. We can be like that same man. Now, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because sometimes I'm struggling, Lord. I don't know how I'm going to make it out, but I believe it, Lord, that you can deliver us through. When we come together, we can encourage one another. We can tell somebody my testimony that says, I know he can do it for you. Because let me tell you what he's done for me. So we don't have to waver. We don't have to be double-minded. But we can trust in the Lord. Numbers 23, 19 tells us God is not a man, that he should lie, nor is he human. He does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken or failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? We know that God will do exactly what he says he will do. In Christ and Jesus, there's a yes and an amen. So now can we draw near and we Come with hope and, and assurance in this great gospel that there's power to save. So we should not be ashamed of the gospel, but tell somebody that has the power to save. And not only does it have the power to save, that when we come together, we should consider to motivate one another. And this is where I'm going to close out and end encouraging us through this word, encouragement. Verse 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Y'all see that there? It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another acts of love and good work. And it builds upon that in verse 25. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But what? Encourage one another. Especially when? Now that the day of his returning is coming. See, as we're considering to encourage one another, I looked up in this word encouragement and this word in the Greek has a prefix and a suffix. This prefix you are familiar with because it's the word para, where we get parasol, parachute, something that comes alongside. It's something that is near. And so that's why you have a parasol near. You have a parachute near you, right? Something to save you from the sun, something to save you if you're jumping out of an airplane. Yeah, that's why we had those parasols, something to go along. The paraclete 
right? The Holy Spirit to draw near. But yet the same suffix there is a, where we get to call. And so it means to call near. Well, who am I calling near? I'm calling my brother. I'm calling my sister. We, we know as we used to sing all the, come by here, Lord. Come by here. Somebody needs you, Lord. Come by here. And so we understand that when we say come by here, we means I need some companionship. I need some socialization. I need someone to come and to encourage me in my times of trouble. When we are alone, that's when we are weak. That's why the Bible says two is better than one. That's why the Bible goes on to say that if you have three, it's not easily broken or torn apart. See, there's a blessing in coming together. Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. God told Noah, go get all the animals. Don't get none one by themselves. But some he got two, some he got them fives and sevens. But he got them in groups. Adam was by himself. God told him, I know it's not good, but I need you to understand it's not good. Once Adam understood, he put him to sleep. Then Adam woke up and said, whoa, man, <laughs> you are bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I will cleave unto you. God understands how there's power when we come together. But the enemy wants to stop you from coming. He wants you to stay by yourself and stay with those who don't know the power of salvation, the power of redemption. So we ought to consider, think about, ponder, how can I motivate people? Here's how one way you to motivate people. Always think about what can I say positive first. There's something special when you can initiate a conversation with something with something positive. It, it goes a lot further. But you wake up with something negative like that's what you're wearing. Attitudes are going to shift. Right. You wake up Sunday like you lost your job. Like Oh, start off right there. OK, start off right there. But when you wake up and saying you look good today or good morning to you. Nice to see you. Right. It changes the atmosphere. So I'm encouraged to think about how can I begin every conversation with something positive to say? Just something affirming. It don't have to be much. You can just say good morning. That's affirming. Good morning. You can just wave at somebody. That's affirming. I see you. I acknowledge you. That's affirming. To our kids, you, 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 there's a, a bookmark, all kinds of things that say, how can you praise a child? It tells you, you can give a high five. You can give a fist bump. You can give a hug. You can say, I love you. Think about what are some positive things I need to consider. Say next time I see somebody that I can say something to encourage. I was at a few more witnesses. Because once you encourage them, guess what? They're going to come back around. Because I want more of that fire. I want more of that things that's going to make me feel good about myself. Because we don't hang around people to make us feel bad about ourselves. You know, I got to go and talk to that person that's going to tell me how bad I am. Right? No, no. We tell everybody, like, yeah, pray for me. Right. I'm about to go and be somewhere where I really don't want to be. But when I come to the house of the Lord, oh, that should be a place where I feel encouraged. That I can sit next to somebody that's going to say something positive to me. But here's the other thing. Not only can I think about what positive thing I can say to them, but then think about how can I pray for them. Ask them if you don't know. Hey, how can I pray for you in this time, in this season? I pray for you. You pray for me. How can we encourage one another? Matter of fact, sometimes we're misunderstanding the armor of God. It says put on the whole armor of God. And we know it says all those things. We know that the helmet of salvation, the, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, and, and the shod our feet with the gospel, and girding out with the belt of truth, and the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. But he also says, and pray. He also says, and pray. Pray for me. Pray for one another. Pray for boldness. So don't forget, that's also a powerful weapon. It's prayer. So not only do I encourage you to 
say something positive, encouraging to you, but also I'm praying for you because I'm praying for your strength. I'm praying for your power. I'm praying for you to be successful in what God has you to do. And so when we are thinking and considering those two things, that's, that's those two assignments I've given you to consider. How can I encourage through prayer and positive affirmations to stimulate one another to love and good works? Because when you encourage somebody, guess what? Then they want to do what's good. They didn't want to do what's loving. Then they want to do what's kind. I, I, I think about how my mom knows my room was a mess, but if I love somebody else, I went to their house. I cleaned their house. Right? My mom, they talk about, so how are you going to wash all the dishes over there? But you didn't wash not one dish at your own house. Right? You know, it's something different about how right, when you love somebody, right? You be over there. Yeah. We, we do all kinds of things for those we love. We, we shop for them, not even knowing what we're shopping for. We just shopping for because we love them. We want to get something for them. And so the beautiful thing about how when we are encouraging one another, it fuels us to do what is good, to do what is right. The body of Christ. We need to come encourage one another. We need to stay together. We need to call near, encourage, call near one another. Let us come together in power, in prayer, in fellowship, in worship. Let us encourage one another. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the power in you that draws us together, that we can be better, that we can be stronger, that we can be wise, that we can be better for you. Help us, oh God, for times that we allow the enemy to keep us from coming together. But Lord, let us look out and realize, Lord, I need you. I need my brother. I need my sister in Christ. Lord, may we encourage one another and pray one for another. Lord, let us not forsake the assembling together, but let us come back together and realize there's more power together than there is apart, and that the church is the people. So help us, O oh God, to reflect you in all that we say and that we do. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have not given your life to Christ, you're looking for a church home, Zion invites you here in this place. If you may be tuning in online, you can connect with us through our website, www.zionbcpeoria.com. And we look forward to fellowshipping your meeting with you after worship or connecting you through online, uh, those who may be interested. And as we continue on in worship, prepare to give God his tithes and our offering. Uh, we freely give back to the Lord what already belongs to him. And so as we prepare to give, let us pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for how you prospered and how you increased and Father, we ask you to bless those who have desired to give but yet have not. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you can supply all their needs. And so, Father, bless them. And then those who are able to give, Lord, we ask you, may we give exceedingly and abundantly with a joy, joyous heart, what already belongs to you. And may you increase and multiply for the building of your kingdom and the edifying of your saints. In Jesus Christ and Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may come forward as God leads you to bring forth your tithes and offerings. Those who online, you're able to give us to our website, www.zionbcpeoria.com. Amen. And God bless you until we meet again.